0: to Carnivore Conversations, a podcast exploring the benefits of keto, carnivore, intermittent feasting, and other lifestyle hacks. Each week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from the keto carnivore community and so much more. This is your host, board certified and practicing physician, Dr. Robert Kiltz. Uh, Dr. Sarah Zaldivar, I'm Dr. Rob Kiltz, and we're sharing just conversations with Dr. Kiltz, and it's meant to be about health and wellness, uh, and it's about a fertile life. I'm a fertility specialist, and I'm here to help you on that journey, but it really is help and assistance on this fertile journey of life. Dr. Uh, Sarah Zaldivar, welcome. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. A beautiful Sunday. I'm in upstate New York, a cold, I think it's in the zero-degree range, uh, and, uh, and but it's clear and sunny. Uh, you're down in Ocala, Florida. Is that right?
1: Correct, correct. We are actually having a cold spell, too, this week. So I'm not used to that, given that I basically lived in Miami for the most part. I wasn't used to This is like my first winter here. But it's nice. It's a, It's a nice change. I like it.
0: Awesome. 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 Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your nutritionist and, and, but, uh, why don't you tell us a story? I think you'd probably be more accurate than I would be.
1: Sure. So I, uh, I'm a professor at Miami Dade college, um, in nutrition. I'm a certified exercise physiologist with the American college for sports medicine. I'm also a certified personal trainer. Um, uh, but like my academic background, I have a PhD. And exercise physiology with a minor in nutrition. And before that, um, I completed my bachelor's and my master's in nutrition and dietetics. I'm a licensed dietitian. Um, and mainly right now between teaching at Miami-Dade and um, uh, content creation, that's, fill, that's filling up most of my time. So I'm also a content creator on YouTube, Instagram, you know, all, all those social media platforms because I just, I enjoy the process of learning while sharing what I'm learning with everybody.
0: And so what's your inspiration that that brought you into this field of nutrition and counseling and coaching and, and exercise physiology?
1: Where should I start? <laughs> Basically everything that could go wrong from acne. That, that was the first thing. Acne and then, you know, not being able to follow a diet and get um, fit um, without sacrificing energy and mental health. And then anxiety uh panic attacks depression <laughs> um yeah the whole thing you know everything um so you so,
0: personally suffered is that it
1: say that again
0: you personally suffered was oh, yeah. impetus to, to yeah. move to the next level
1: that yeah that's usually how we stumble upon carnivore diets right because the main narrative is not bad what I was taught in nutrition school and in my PhD, it was never about what I'm sharing with the world right now. It was always about eat a mainly plant-based diet. Fruits and vegetables are important. Protein, it doesn't matter where you get it from. Plant sources are equivalent to animal sources. So like, unless something happens where, or, or you want to improve yourself and you're not okay with just being average, you wanna optimize, that is when you start hitting that wall and you realize I'm applying the theory, but the practice doesn't match what the theory tells me I'm supposed to expect. And that is that is how everybody, I think, in the carnivore community or you know, keto, paleo, people who are going back to our ancestral diets, I think pretty much everybody has a story for the most part, or they know somebody very close to them that has had a transformation and that has um, kind of convinced them to go down that route.
0: So in your teaching, uh, so you spend a lot of time in in class teaching or online teaching or however it is. Uh, do you? How do you share whichever you think is the most important story of today?
1: I give them both. I give them both uh, sides. You know, I, I we ha- we have to go by the textbook, but at the same time. I share with them the other studies that aren't in the textbook because oftentimes textbook information is like 20 years outdated. That's how long it takes to update those textbooks. And so there are basics that don't change, you know, like, you know, carbohydrates, um, proteins, uh, the the macronutrients, things like that. That's basic stuff that we have to go over and they learn about all those things in a recorded lecture. And then when we meet, it's all discussion, it's all Q&A, it's all about understanding there are two sides to to or two main schools of thought in nutrition and uh i give them everything basically
0: and and how in general are they accepting uh, or the or those that you're coaching or teaching I'm, I'm i'm assuming there's the both sides to your sharing its coaching one on one or group coaching and then the teaching part of it uh, and then, obviously, the blogging part of it. Tell us a little bit about uh, your your how you participate and practice in those different areas.
1: Sure, um, they're receptive, you know, because this is their first nutrition course, so it's not like they have preconceived notions. The only thing I think that people are resistant uh, with is if they are in it for. Um, you know, not eating an animal. I think once you come across people who have been brainwashed by that movement with cherry picked information that really isn't mainly focused towards human health, it's mainly focused towards um, the, you know, human uh, animal suffering and animal cruelty, which by the way, is great. Nobody nobody is advocating for that. But um, yeah, it's mainly, I think the vegan movement, people who, who follow that, that tend to have very strong feelings whereby this just like that like the only thing that they believe is right and anything you say they're going to counter that i think that's the only but i mean i i almost never they, they're allowed they're allowed movement but as a matter of fact they're a very small minority like as a percentage of the population um i see that more on like social media the social media arguments you know it's but cool. not as cool mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So what what about your thoughts, and maybe you could tell specifically about the dangers of a plant-based diet, herbivore, essentially, for just, you know, sort of, I would say there's only three diets, herbivore, omnivore, and carnivore. Yeah. That really divides it into what you eat because there's so many different things within all of that. Uh, And and do you have any comments and thoughts on, okay, what about a plant-based diet yeah. leads to the disease, and what are the diseases that we're talking about that that you yeah. you have found is important to share?
1: I so students of mine reach out to me after trying a carnivore diet, and their anxiety is gone, their psoriasis is gone, their depression is gone, they're dropping weight easily, um, I, the vitiligo goes away. Which those are things that we never really thought about in terms of nutrition and um, that impacting those autoimmune conditions, right? So things that you never even would have thought about are being improved by diet by going back to that ancestral diet. Um, With regards to plant-based diets, I shared something this morning or yesterday on my Instagram uh, the Smithsonian Smithsonian Magazine had an article about how 84% of um, vegans, which are people who are only herbivores, right, they're only eating plant foods, 84% of them um, quit within one year and um, 30% of them don't last, I think it's, yeah, I think it's like a third, don't last beyond the first three months. And mainly one of the driving reasons for that is their declining health your health starts to rapidly decline, which makes total sense, because when you exclude animal foods, there are a lot of nutrients that are either exclusively found in animal foods, or they are found in much larger amounts in animal foods, right? Um, I think there are like 14, I did a video on my YouTube channel, um, 13 nutrient deficiencies, that you start to accumulate on on a vegan diet, And I forgot to add one more. I should have made 14 nutrients, which is choline. That's an additional one. But iron, it's not like you can't get iron from plant foods, but you would have to eat a lot of carbs in order to get enough iron. And then the form of iron in plant foods is non-heme for the most part. It's different than the more biologically active form of iron in animal foods, which is heme iron, Um, We said choline, um, zinc. Uh, you, it's not that again. Same, same as iron. You don't, you can't get enough on a plant-based diet without paying the price of very high carbohydrate consumption. Um, what else? Omega threes, the DHEAs. It's very difficult to optimize for your health on a vegan diet without having to supplement on a consistent basis and you can only supplement with the nutrients that nutrition as a science has discovered so far nutrition as, as a science is mo- like the modern history of nutrition science it's very recent the first vitamin was isolated in 1926 it was vitamin b1 and then in the 30s vitamin c Vitamin K2, like in the last maybe 30 day, thirty um, years or less. So we're constantly learning new things. Taurine, it was only in 1998 that we discovered that taurine is an essential nutrient. Where you can only get it from animal foods. So you can only supplement with the nutrients that... Science has isolated and discovered and realized is essential and that there are supplements for. But then the other question is, how do you know what is the ratio between the nutrients? Because nutrients work together. They're not working in isolation, right? So simply taking an iron supplement is probably the worst thing you can do because it's going to mess your copper and zinc balance because all of those metals, they compete with one another. So taking only iron supplements is going to offset the um, copper balance and function and the zinc balance and function in your body. So it's I'm I'm not I'm not like resisting progress, if you want to call progress by, you know, not killing animals. It's not that it's just that it is way, way, way too early to think that we can manufacture fake meat and to think that we can just supplement with all those things, because we don't know what our what, what is the perfect recipe for health and just looking at what is happening with people who are going on a mainly plant-based diet who, by the way included myself we see almost always like 84 percent of people are ex-vegans or ex-plant-based right and there's a reason for that
0: so what are your thoughts on the science of supplements and i've always wondered whether or not a real science of supplements and vitamins is really driven by profits Hmm. uh, from pharmaceutical and drug companies and nutraceutical companies. All of us in some way are really, uh, we want to believe the science, but maybe the science isn't really true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You can't tease out the actual um, effect of a lot of supplements from the financial incentive behind it, because it kind of, it's kind of like, when you have a lot of um supplement companies that are funding studies on that certain vitamin or nutrient so now you have a lot of studies being done on a certain nutrient and not enough studies being done on whole foods because there's more profit in selling more pills right as opposed to just real whole foods um and people also by the way I noticed that a lot of people do prefer to just just tell me what supplement I can take or is there a supplement that can yeah, get rid of some because it's easier, right? You don't have to go through the pain of change, those growing pains that we have to go through in order to better our health. So it's driven by the marketplace. People do are attracted to just taking pills. It's driven by um, ha, the, the interest that supplement companies have for you know studying those um, those supplements and so now you have an imbalance in the research you have an imbalance in the literature literature and so this is why you don't hear as much about the benefits of red meat you know
0: and 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 what about the peer-reviewed journals and all the scientists that are sitting on the boards accepting or rejecting a peer-reviewed article I'm wondering about the bias that they may even have and wondering what funding they're getting from some of these companies.
1: Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. And even even sometimes you can't catch it in the declaration, right? In the financial, uh, like a conflict of interest or financial declaration, you don't sometimes catch it. You have to do a little bit extra digging. No, but I understand. I think if you are working within the system, like in a um, university or in a hospital system, it's it's always harder. And I think you probably have a little bit more experience with that. It's harder to say what we're saying. You know, let's go back to eating the one food that our species evolved eating for ninety nine point ninety nine percent of our existence as a species here on Earth. but yeah just because also something is peer reviewed does not like like here's here's the real thing here's the problem with nutrition science peer-reviewed nutrition science it's very difficult to get people give them red meat you know or carnivore-based diet and make sure they're eating it for years and years and years and years and, years, and follow them in a controlled environment so in other words you know control have a, a a control trial right um we can't we can't even do randomized control trial you can't do like blind testing because they know they're eating meat <laughs> so you can't even do that so well, do meat
0: or real meat yeah, right, right right
1: that's right, right? yeah you <laughs> could do that that's a good one yeah so there you go very difficult to conduct <laughs> that kind of study for a very long period of time and then look for what happened to these people and this is why and i understand i understand that it's hard but this is why we are relegated to these large scale, but epidemiological or correlational or observational studies where the main tool they're using, which is, by the way, it's a, it's a questionnaire that they use. And I use that when I did my master's degree. It's called the Food Frequency Questionnaire or the FFQ. And that tool is inherently flawed. I mean, there's a whole body of literature that exists just to criticize the Food Frequency Questionnaire and those epidemiological studies. Right. So. But that's what we're using in order to check for diet and disease. We're asking people if they ate pizza that has pepperoni on it. And if they say yes, we consider them meat eaters. And so, yeah, of course, somebody who's eating burgers and pizza is going to most likely suffer health consequences. We you know, like we are coming across the healthy user effect, which means that when people are reporting eating a lot of meat, oftentimes most people that are eating a lot of meat they're eating them with with junk food they're not eating you know grass fed high quality meat with the absence of all the other things that go along with it the fries the sodas so we we we're not controlling for that you know the the smoking behaviors the lack of exercise that tend to go along with what we call the James Dean effect right people who are just you know not really living a healthy lifestyle so until they do the study where they get Plant-based or vegan randomized control trial. For, okay, get the plant-based and the vegans, and get the carnivores that are eating, you know, real whole foods. Put them somewhere for six months. Ideally, we need two years, but I, I mean, I'm just trying to be a little realistic. Put them, put them in a in a in a lab for six months. Make sure they're eating those foods. That would be the ideal study that would finally kind of give us the but, answer. But
0: there are some studies out there uh 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 st- uh uh oh God, um, in the, the 20, uh stephenson uh uh what was, you mean
1: was alcoholic or uh, are you talking about the keto um research? carnivore
0: well, blah, you know because he talked about talked about the uh, Inuits and and then he then he was placed in a hospital for I mean that really the truth be said is there is plenty of evidence to support this. And I know you're telling me the story how well you felt on this. Uh, but it is one of those things that's just so hard to believe, right? I'm yeah. going to tell you a story that you're not going to believe. Yeah. And, because really, I'm. What what is the purpose of food in our society? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I would say it's part of the party. It's part of our amusement. It's not we don't understand food as our as our sustenance for energy. Is that kind of how you would uh, put it? What do you? How do you find that people are sort of, why they're resistant, why they're accepting of these things?
1: Yeah, look, first, you're right. I completely forgot about Stephenson um, when he spent time with the Inuits and then he was so convinced about that, came back and actually did it. I think he did it for a year, right? Under the- A
0: year or two, I can't remember a year at least, yes
1: yeah um you're right about that. we should we should I should do a video on that just to, so that you know more people hear about this. Um, so, yes, I think that food is so I mean, it's not me thinking that. it's science really that has proven that you destroy your dopamine receptors, which allows your the the dopamine producing um, feeling like, if you destroy your dopamine receptors in your brain, you can't feel the effects of dopamine, right? You can't feel the pleasure of dopamine, feeling motivated. So it's it's not just me thinking that food is addictive. Food is scientifically proven to be highly addictive not only in rat studies but also in overweight and obese people because you put them in a scan and you look at the dopamine and d2 receptor activity in their brain and you see they have massive destruction of d2 receptors similarly to that found in users of hard drugs like cocaine So you look at the brain of somebody who has obesity versus the brain of somebody who has been using hard drugs. And while the hard drug user is going to have more extensive destruction of dopamine receptors called the D2 receptors, the overweight and obese, uh, especially the more obese you are, um, the more D2 receptor destruction you have. But it's similar to that hard drug user's brain, only slightly to a lesser extent. So, yeah, people are addicted and you have a lot of... um, special interests, like companies who have a vested interest in you believing that you need balance in your life. You need intuitive eating. You know, you need to eat from all the food groups and you need to treat yourself with those foods because, you know, food is is fun and love and happiness. And it could be that, but it doesn't have to be addictive. You can share a good meal, with, and, and have a good experience with sharing that meal. But it doesn't have to be the most addictive food possible.
0: Uh, uh, Sarah Zaldivar, welcome. A uh, uh, PhD, nutritionist, coach, uh, uh, lifestyle uh, uh, motivator. Uh, how do people find you, by the way?
1: So um, you can find me on um, YouTube, Dr. Sarah Zaldivar, Instagram, um, at Doctor dot Sarah with an H dot Zaldivar. Um, It's very it's fairly easy to find me. Facebook same thing. Doctor Sarah Zaldivar. Yeah, everywhere.
0: And we'll we'll have a a, a link on our uh, YouTube and and Facebook here to find a Sarah. Um, how what about the vegetarian uh, versus the vegan? Um, <clears throat> you're from Lebanon. You were telling about my yeah. grandparents are all from Italy. Um, And so we're in that Mediterranean environment and it's a a high plant base with plenty of meat and things like that. Um, You know, we we have these comparisons, but maybe you could sort of talk a little bit about maybe the differences and how to explain these differences to people between the vegetarian, Mediterranean, maybe a little bit.
1: Right. So so a vegetarian diet, you have five different types of vegetarian diets. The one thing in common <laughs> between those five different types of vegetarian diets would be not eating red meat. They all skip red meat. But you have, let's say, a lacto ovo vegetarian who eats no animal foods but includes um, milk and eggs. You've got pescatarian who's a vegetarian who eats no animal food except um, fish. You've got um, the main, I guess the one that really is the most um, plant-based would be vegan, excludes 100% all of animal foods. So not even fish, nothing like that. Um, Yeah. And then I think you have like lacto-vegetarian, which same thing again, no animal foods except dairy. So you've got a lot of different types of vegetarianism. The one that is most impactful on your health would be a vegan diet um, because it removes every single source of um, animal food. And that means every single source of animal nutrition. Now, how does that compare to a Mediterranean diet or an Italian based diet? Um, It would, it's, it's not exactly the same because, for example, a Mediterranean diet, while it is mainly plant-based, you still consume fish, right? You still consume small amounts of red meat here and there. But I can tell you what I, I grew up eating a lot of salads, a lot of beans, you know, a lot of rice and beans. Um, and then when we thought we were, we wanted to transition to a healthier diet, it was like soy. We started to try to eat, you know, soy and tofu instead of red meat. Um, it's Yeah, so it's mainly high carb, mainly plant based and doesn't really have a lot of animal foods in it. Um, And now with an Italian cuisine, I guess I think everybody knows, right, it's high carb. But maybe you can share with us how much that has in common with a vegan or a vegetarian diet.
0: Well, I think for for growing up uh, wise anyway, it was it was. It was pasta, bread, salad, vegetables, fruit, lots of fruit. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. We had fruit trees everywhere. It was as much as you want, fruit and things like that. Uh, but it was also tortillas and burgers and uh pizza. Uh, but pasta was like like the foundation, which is all wheat essentially. And and ultimately there wasn't much fat in the in the in the diet uh you know we we cooked with it but we didn't cook with 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 uh lard uh it was olive oil corn oil that's how we grew up doing it now a real Medi- a real mediterranean italian uh you know that those those certainly i think they're kind of similar the pasta part but maybe they cook with more real animal fat uh but Uh, And I know for myself, I suffered from bowel problems and migraines as a kid. And then it went on to arthritis, psoriasis, eczema, kidney stones, continued migraines, uh, hemorrhoids, bowel bleeding, probably IBS, but it was never diagnosed. And then I know for myself, uh, my patients shared with me the idea that, that paleo got them pregnant. I couldn't get them pregnant. And then I started, well, what is what even is a paleo diet? But I, I loved, because I was doing Weight Watchers and, and Atkins to lose weight and exercising like crazy to be healthy and look good and all this crazy, stupid shit. But it was a lot of work. And then then I learned about paleo, and then I started really researching. And then I found carnivore, fasting, and, and now essentially for the last 10 years, I'm 66 soon, uh, I, for over 10 years, I've been doing carnivore, one meal a day, uh, and really minimal, 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 almost no alcohol. Uh, I cut down almost to no exercise, and I eat fatty ribeye steak with butter and salt every day. It is primarily my boringest nutritional human solution. I call it, I hate the word diet. Should be completely kicked out. And I eat ice cream that I make almost every single day. Cream, cream and eggs, a little bit of sugar and a little bit of vanilla. And to me, no fiber, uh, no fruits. Uh, and and the the thing that finally so I've learned from from someone like you uh, uh, that vegetables are carbohydrates and fruit and fiber is a carbohydrate. and we thought salad was lettuce was like water and and so you know i'm I'm, I'm learning from you and others in this and and I know that this the carnivore place that we talk about is such a narrow narrow window that that people like just like want to run from and it's boring
1: yeah it's it's i get it it's a lot like even for someone like me and you we are in the field it probably took us a while to wrap our heads around you know getting to carnivore and it wasn't like i went from eating normal to eating carnivore i went through phases first it was paleo um then it was keto then it was um eventually after a long time it was carnivore so and every stage took years and it wasn't like overnight because i for me i think my education slowed me down somebody who doesn't have my background you you might be more convinced quicker but somebody who has gone who's 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 a dietitian who's in the field has been brainwashed course after course study after study you know the vegetables are associated the you know whole grains are associated better have all that kind of stuff so it took me a very long time to finally get the answers that would convince me because i had a lot of questions and i needed them all to be answered before i was like okay well that makes sense
0: And where do you see your next level of of sharing and creating that will help sort of build the platform around what you're doing?
1: Yeah, see, I didn't. It's not like I set out to be a carnivore doctor. It wasn't like my goal is to talk about the one thing nobody wants to talk about. (laughs) You know, as as a a small YouTube channel, that's not the best thing. That's not the best way to go about it, you know. Um, But... Like, I, I love a lot of things. For me, the nutrition part is simply because I'm obsessed with anti-aging. And by the way, I cannot believe you're 66 years old. You do not even remotely look 66. It's shocking. And again, another testament to the anti-aging effects of red meat. So,
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. I think it's amazing that we, we're, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm like a little kid in the candy store that found like the Holy Grail. And that this is it. Although I tell people a little bit of sugar, cake, cookies, or candy from time to time. But of any frequency, is like, it's deadly. I do French fries from time to time. But, you know, when we call ourselves X, Y, or Z, it's not, it's not fair to say that you probably are doing it. I mean, we're in a world of, of an amusement park. And I go out with my friends and family members and new acquaintances all the time. And I, you know, for me, it's it really is. I call it the baby's plan, and I and I share this. Uh, it's it, and I'm getting rid of the word diet. We're going to put nutritional solution, but bacon, eggs, butter, beef, ice cream, intermittent feasting, one meal a day, and salt. I mean, that is the game changer, in my opinion. That and and I couldn't believe when I read this stuff that I'm finding is like, come on, this, it can't be as simple as this. Um, And we have so many patients that follow similar, you know, for I'll say, if you're doing, you're either doing carnivore, and I don't even like the word keto, but it's kind of the, the phrase that we're using today. If it's carnivore keto, or just a straight kind of a Mediterranean keto, but, you know, I tell people to cook carbs really well. To limit the lectins, the oxalates, get rid of the fiber. And if you could add butter, cream, uh, or lard or towel, the best way. Do you have any any insight or recommendations where you direct people to?
1: yeah so it's it's very similar to what you i mean my youtube channel has all that information so you know people can check it out it's dr sarah zaldivar sarah with an h so very easy to find me and there's all of you know my thoughts about all of these different things but you're 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 right mainly animal foods ideally grass-fed beef the fattier the meat the better and i believe uh, for your audience who's interested in fertility the more good fats from ribeye steaks the better or if you're gonna do brown beef go with the fattier cuts absolutely um higher fat is definitely great to boost your hormones because that's that's how you make your sex hormones right you need fat to you need cholesterol so um i agree with everything you said and i, I want also to say you're so right about labeling we're not we, people tell us like people attach the label to us you're a carnivore doctor. It, I just talk about what I eat and what I think is the healthiest thing. And it just so happens after everything I went through with my health, after my experience, you know, telling people what to eat, after seeing my clients and my patients, my my educated opinion and experienced opinion ultimately. got us to this inconvenient truth that maybe maybe it's just me you know that might be the healthiest human food so but yeah we shouldn't label ourselves and if studies show up and prove us wrong we i i know i have like no qualms about just changing overnight and saying well i don't think this is right anymore because um those studies are showing that or my my experience has shown me that after these you know it's fine we're learning we're 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 always learning and we're just sharing what we're, what we're learning with the world. That's all.
0: I tell everyone the end, the number one is you. You're yeah. the only scientific experiment that matters. Every scientific study you read is biased and you better believe it's not telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It's the yeah. truth as each and every one of us believe. And so if I believe a plant-based diet is the best. And there was a really good study, the A2Z study, uh, Mm -hmm. I saw it on YouTube, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. That's the one, because it was about Atkins, uh, uh, it had a vegan in there, uh, 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 so I can't remember all the, what the A2Z meant, but basically Atkins got the top, top line in success, because But most studies, people are looking to lose weight. And I'm wondering what your thought is about being skinny or fat. If you're just skinny or fat and you eat like a carnivore or a a herbivore or an omnivore, does the weight matter?
1: Yes and no. So excess body fat is an inflammatory organ, right? So your fat cells, they don't just sit there doing nothing. The more fat cells you accumulate on your frame, especially above what is healthy, the more inflammatory markers they're releasing into your bloodstream. There is, there is that. So, excess, so I know there is a movement now to make it seem as if people at every single weight are equally healthy, and that's just factually incorrect. It, one of the best things you can do for your body is drop any excess body fat. There's another extreme: people who are who cannot gain weight. They want to gain weight. They want to put on muscle and some body fat. Some women, they can't get their periods. They're so they don't have enough body fat on them. That's also unhealthy. So there is like a sweet spot and for most people that sweet spot is looking pretty shredded for most people like it looks great you know it looks fine for maybe not maybe you're not going to look as if you're competing in bodybuilding competitions but you know you can be pretty lean and healthy so i think it's that not being too underweight but also not having that excess body fat Um, And then you have people who are at optimal weight. You look at them and they look amazing, but also they do not necessarily, they they are not necessarily healthy because if you're 20 years old and you're eating all the junk food and you still look amazing because you're 20, eventually it's going to catch up with you, right? Eventually, just, just looking at somebody's body weight does not automatically tell you whether they are healthy or not.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been studying this for a while, and I'm becoming more and more convinced that you're obese because you eat a high carb diet. Our measurement of inflammatory markers are all related only to the lectins, the oxalates, the phytates, and the chemicals that cause the inflammation. So we're biased to believe fat is the cause. So that that's our biggest conundrum in this. And and as I've been practicing and looking at this more i'm convinced fat is the best genetic predisposition that we've ever developed because we're built to get fat and those that get fat easily historically were the survivors and the reproducers i always say no one wants a skinny bitch sorry for my language fat is fertile fuel for the ferrari because if you look at bears and many other or or, uh, uh Uh, animals they get fat they get pregnant and they hibernate for long periods of time so i i've recently sort of been changing that and looking at it and wondering because there's such a prejudice against obesity in the medical and scientific world we're trying to solve something by simply losing weight and i think we're missing the mark here that that in fact, maybe the genetics to get fat are the best, but because we're so judgmental. So that's I just kind of an interesting thing that I've been looking at and wondering me, about. Any thoughts on that? My,
1: yeah. Let me, so here's my thought. My thought on that is that what is important, it is is training people to access their fast stores. So when you put somebody on a ketogenic diet, they eventually keto-adapt, right? It takes, let's say, two weeks. So for some people, it takes six weeks. It never really ends. I mean, it's there are studies that show athletes who are continuously keto-adapting and getting better and better at using fat as their main energy source, even after two years. So it never it's a process that never ends, but you really start feeling the effects of keto-adaptation after, let's say, um, three days, for most people, seven days to 14 days. So,
0: so you know, I- so so go ahead keep on going. I'm
1: sorry so, so if somebody is overweight or obese, what I would want to do is train them to to be able to tap into their fat stores. So the the thing is with obesity and overweight is when you become unable to shift fuel sources, you're so reliant on carbs and sugars that's why you're so addicted every two to three hours you need a hit of carbohydrates as an energy source. so you have forgotten, That when you were born, you were mainly keto-adapted if you were breastfed. For as long as you're breastfed, you're on a ketogenic diet, right? And so, but the moment we wean our babies off, we start giving them non-ketogenic foods, right? We start giving them the applesauce and the bananas and things like that. So right away, we start forgetting, our bodies forget how to tap into fat as a main energy source that we should mainly be using to fuel our brains, to fuel our bodies. And so here's what happens. In order to improve someone's health, you want them to get keto-adapted. And as a side effect of keto-adaptation, they will naturally lose the excess body fat and their inflammation is gonna drop. Because now, by the way, even on a lean person, somebody, you look at them, they're like, wow, they're so fit, they're lean. Even on a lean person, they have close to 40,000 to 100,000 calories worth of stored fat versus only 2,000 calories worth of stored carbs in the form of glycogen in your liver and muscles. So, even in a lean person, look how much more body fat you have stored already. So the trick is to be able to tap into that, to be able to use that as your main energy source. And this is where, where keto or carnivore, any very, very low carb diet um, can improve our health so much.
0: What, what's your thoughts on fasting?
1: I love it. And I think and you what should. What is the
0: definition of fasting?
1: Fasting is just compressing all of your foods within a narrow period of time. So whatever calories you're going to eat for the day, eat them in a compressed time period. And that means you're not eating for the vast majority of the day, depending. There are different types of fasting. For some people, they do, um, they'll do they eat within a four-hour window. Some people, they'll eat within a six-hour window. So it really depends on, yeah, you know, you do that?
0: One-hour window.
1: One out. Al- oh, so OMAD, one meal a day. One
0: meal a day, which, which I'm curious, What you know, uh, historically, what did our ancestors, how often did they eat 50, 100, 200,000 yeah. years ago? Yeah. Is it, is it one meal a day or far less? Yeah. It, it was the likelihood.
1: I think that's great. I did that for a while. It worked for me. I even did, like, full body, full, full day fast, and then I would do OMAD. The only thing for me is that I also do bodybuilding. So I lift heavy weights. So I need even more protein in order to put as much muscle and, you know, to progress with my lifts. And so for that, I, that's, that's why I went back to eating more meals. But even with that, I still do intermittent fasting, Um, but I don't force it. Like, I think that's the key. Yeah.
0: So, you know, it's interesting because I've come up with a concept that, the body only burns fat and it never burns sugar for energy. And insulin resistance does not exist. Okay. Okay, so now remember, we're in a world of nutrition with one paradigm, but we're suggesting another one, correct? True. Now to be open to the next level, which is I'm finding, and maybe as a nutritional scientist that you have a lot more, more knowledge than I do, but... Um, I couldn't figure out why the body would burn sugar sometimes and fat the other times. And I bet it's not true because everyone has always in their cells uh, uh, short chain, medium chain, long chain fatty acids, always. So there's always acetyl-CoA and ketones in the cytoplasm and the mitochondria. Why would you use sugar? Right, Why? And so, again, I asked the question, but we're because until we we say, well, let me look at that. We're too quick in our science because I know this is all of us that no way, because keto has been labeled as a ship from burning sugar to burning fat. But maybe what it is is only a low glucose environment. Now you've lowered your 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 your. Total caloric intake in the mm-hmm. form of sugar and proteins, mm-hmm. and that's why fasting is our historic nature. You know, this four to six sure. eight hour window of eating is not natural because what were you carrying around? Nothing. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of the, the part. And insulin resistance. What? Just this is the interesting part. I would say that. If you're eating a carbohydrate diet, your bowels are always full of carbs. As long as the bowel bag is always full of carbs, that means you're secreting sugar in your bloodstream all the time.
1: Fermentation. As long as your
0: should as long as you're secreting glucose mm-hmm. in your bloodstream, insulin always goes up. Yeah. And the only function of insulin is to convert amino acids and simple sugars in the liver to fat, which yeah. is not our idea of insulin, is
1: it? Yeah. I, it, it has so many different functions, but I think you're, I think it's a great question. You're asking, I, you know,
0: and that's, I, I, I'm, I'm making, I'm coming up with a hypothesis and theory.
1: Yeah. And
0: I really got the ideas that prove it, but, it's our same problem in science. What, what are your what are your most difficulties that you're finding in your scientific endeavor in your research and-
1: The main thing is the confirmation bias, which is um, I think everybody should should Google what is the reticular activating system or the RAS, right? The reticular activating system is that part of your brain that allows you to only see things that you deem to be relevant to you. In other words, like that's that's the part of your brain that allows for confirmation bias to, to happen, which is like when you buy a car, you've probably never seen it before, but after you buy it, all of a sudden you see it everywhere. It's not that it wasn't there before. It's just that now your RAS is triggered because now this car means something to you. So now you can actually pay attention to all of the other cars. Same thing happens in academia and in scientists. We have been told a certain narrative that you know Kellogg's cereal is healthy for you, and that's the most important breakfast or meal of the day. So all these research um, studies have been done to kind of confirm what a lot of researchers already kind of thought might be true. Maybe you know more plants, more whole grains, more fruits. This seems to be healthier. So let's do more of those studies. Let's and more of those grants get funded you know because they follow a narrative so you can say in order for me to get grant money to do my study i'm going to say in my grant proposal like look at all these studies that show what i like it's in a similar vein as opposed to proposing something completely new you know good luck good luck getting a grant (laughs) funded right and so that's the problem with nutrition science and science, in general, is the confirmation bias of humans, because scientists are humans and they have those same biases as well. And another thing that kind of compounds that problem is that in academic institutions, it seems like everybody kind of goes with the flow as well. And it makes it harder to work outside of that and and think outside the box, because all of your peers are all saying the same thing and you can get attacked. I mean, I, I know this has happened to me and now now even more that more people are learning about me. You know, um, people in the field, they wanna attack you for daring to question a narrative that they so wholeheartedly believe in even though clearly it's not working for them.
0: So, how, so what's your method of moving forward and keeping on this? This track and this journey?
1: So, yeah, I'm just, I'm an eternal learner. I have all of my life to continue what I'm working on. And my main goal is I don't want to (laughs) die. I am passionate about anti-aging science. And I want to achieve what, um, if you know about uh, Dr. Abrey de Grey, he is like the main researcher for Sense Foundation, this foundation that um, main main goal is to cure aging as a disease. There are so many, by the way, of those like organizations and startup companies are doing the research to look at aging as a driving disease that drives really all the other chronic diseases because most other chronic diseases spring up as the aging process takes hold. So for me, um, I want to achieve the escape velocity. What is escape velocity? So a gray that I was referring to earlier in, according to his research, there is a 50, 50 chance, 50, 50 chance that we might achieve escape velocity in the next 15 years. What does that mean? That means that there's a 50-50 chance that the anti-aging research is going to allow us to have the tools to prolong our lives, have the treatments, enough treatments to prolong our lives long enough so that more treatments come and we keep using those treatments to prolong our lifespan enough to the point where we no longer need those continuous treatments and aging has been cured. In other words, if you're hell bent on that, you know, and you want to um, prolong your lifespan, there is a 50-50 chance it could happen in your lifetime. Now, we don't know, obviously, that's where, you know, we don't know how the science is going to go, we're, but I'm keeping a very, very close eye on that. And that's why you see anti-aging stuff on my channel. But for me, diet is just one of the tools I use for anti-aging. So for me, that's just one thing I use. It's not like I am obsessed with diet. You know, I have goals. I, w- I want to do so many things. I have so many ideas, companies I want to found, like all those things. And this is a stepping stone that's going to get me there and get more people interested in this topic so that the more people are interested, the more research is being done, the more I also benefit. So cool. that is
0: <laughs> so, so what what would you say is the focus of most of your clients that that come to you? What are they what are they looking for and how do you approach that? The majority.
1: Yeah, um I feel like well right now by the way I don't take one-on-one clients. I sometimes I do, sometimes I do. But I don't advertise for it and I generally will like on a regular basis tell people I'm not taking online clients at the moment, um, because I want to focus on what I'm doing right now with just growing my brand as much as possible. Um, So what I have found is that people have played with a vegan plant based herbivore or just ate what they thought was healthy. And when that doesn't work, that is when they discover that what I'm talking about, because you kind of have to have this personal experience because otherwise what is, there is no reason to go down, you know, the research, because there's a lot of research and a lot of questions that you need to answer for you to be able to finally accept a keto carnivore diet as really being the healthiest human diet.
0: What are the things do you incorporate in, in that, and, and you said, uh that your, your goal and what you're sharing in, in uh, your YouTube and, and Instagram and things like that, what is the primary focus of what your goal is to share with the world?
1: My primary focus is to help people see the other side of the science that isn't making the mainstream news right? That they're not talking about the studies that show that beef fat actually lowers risk for cancers. They're not talking about those studies. They're just talking about the narrative that is kind of accepted. Um, you know, they, they, um, there's not enough people basically shedding light on this whole body of science that exists, but yet nobody's talking about it. Um, I think there's fear involved, like people and in institutions, they don't want to you don't want to be, you know, the the person that's recommending just me because you will be, you know, will you, you will be attacked in a way or, well, you know, we're not gonna get into that, but I'm sure you know, right? Yeah, you too. Yeah, exactly.
0: It, yeah. And, you know, it all depends on where you are at in your your career or what your driving force is. But um, I I always say pain is the best thing and. Pain and death are the two best things that ever been gifted to life because it, it, it keeps you motivated to move, and if you don't have pain, there's no gain. Uh, tell us a little bit about your exercise routine and your workout and, and what you do on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, so I do also document a lot of these things on my Instagram, but mainly I um, lift weights um, upper body, lower body split routine every day. Um, I don't, I don't choose a recovery day. It normally happens on one of these days you can't make it. And so it often like that recovery day life throws it at you. So I don't plan for it. Um, and I do sprints and runs. I have a treadmill right here, right next to me. This is my little office here. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, say that again. Wait, say that again.
0: Cool. That's everything right there. Nice.
1: It's the best. It's the best machine I ever bought. And people always are like, you know, why buy it? you will never going to use it. Well, no, that's the single most used thing that I've ever bought.
0: (laughs) How do you commit yourself to these things? And what is your other spiritual practice or motivational practices that you you bring to the the
1: table? I think you got to have a goal. You got to have a purpose. And for me, I have a very big dream that I want to make into reality and it might be a little crazy if you do some digging on and read my interviews you'll know what it is (laughs) but um that's that is my goal and I feel that um I wasn't you know put in uh I, I wasn't given like opportunities growing up in Lebanon and not really having a lot of money I wasn't given opportunities to grow that Thing that I want to do and so now I'm going to buy myself time and I'm going to do it anyway and so that oh, keeps
0: you Say keep... what that goal what what is that goal
1: so it's so it's basically being an entertainer I want to um be in music dancing singing that kind of stuff and so for me that I mean I've taken obviously like when I grew up I put myself through you know vocal lessons all that kind of stuff but Uh Uh um, but I definitely haven't been like trained classically from a young age and all those things and I feel like why I can do it it doesn't matter and I want my life to show that it doesn't matter what your circumstances were your dream was put in you for a reason and if you didn't have the goods ready to make it happen you wouldn't have the urge and so I feel like it's 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 kind of like what haunts me and, and that's what I really and I love it because it keeps me driven and it keeps me doing everything I do. And again, that's why I do what I do because I want to be the in the best physical shape, mental shape in order because I know what it's going to take. Um, I and mean, it's probably gonna take way more though, way more than what I think even now, but you know I, I'm gonna have to be an an optimal peak performer in order to achieve those things.
0: Where do people find a little bit more about your your goals and your 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 uh, uh, vision?
1: I don't really like to talk about it much. I feel like because it's like it's so far fetched, you know. Given that you know I'm not doing it right now, I'm doing something completely different. Um, that's why I feel like I did give an interview one time with for Voyage Mia. It's a Miami magazine that they reached out to me. And what that day I was so inspired. I was like, I'm gonna be the best performer in the world. Uh, but you know, um, I, I'm still I'm happy it's out there because I think it's gonna be like on the record, you know. It's it's like, cool. see, I knew, I always knew. And then when it happens, it's like this is this was no, this isn't chance, this isn't luck. I worked for that, I I chose this path.
0: So Dr. Sarah Zaldivar, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Yes. And then you have a website, obviously, which is Dr.
1: Yeah. Dr. Sarah, Sarah, no, Sarah. No. Yeah. It's very yeah. basic on my website. Uh, I don't have like, I, I mean, I made it so that it's presentable, um, but I, it's, I don't have anything on it, you know, like blogs or anything just yet. I'm mainly focused like YouTube, Instagram right now, um, but eventually, but I, I wanted the domain, you know, saving it because eventually it's going to grow, obviously.
0: So you have a dream. And a vision that you're creating while you're sharing your expertise and knowledge about how nutrition will solve and eliminate so many diseases. We've had so many people joining us today. Uh, any comments on uh, just one from Erica on, on uh, adrenal issues? Uh, you know, maybe you could comment about that uh, or or just sort of bloating. Um, Ooh, bloating. On bloating. Okay. So pain pain. What are your thoughts?
1: so i is your audience mainly um women or is it both
0: oh this is yeah my audience is mainly women but it's men and women and it's mostly those that are looking towards their their improving their fertility uh and and their journey on on having a baby building a family
1: so here's something that they might find interesting i used to really have bad days when i would get my period really like just cramps and you know i'm trying to stick to my diet but the moment i get my period it's like that's it i eat junk food and then it takes me a while to pull myself out of that brain fog and that you know sugar addiction and guess what the solution was (laughs) red meat basically or even if somebody is not like ready to go red meat just zero fiber like it's really about not having an iota of fiber in your digestive system. And that means the day before and the day before, right? So like two days before you expect to get your period, zero fiber, no popcorn none of that stuff. Not even just a little bit. That for me, I cannot even begin to tell you like not, not losing a whole day because I'm a type A I'm always want to be productive. Right. So, not be not losing that one day is crucial and then also more importantly that means i don't get to eat addictive foods which then it takes me a while to pull myself out of it because my brain has struggled with eating disorders right um, another reason why carnivore is so amazing for me i don't have those urges anymore
0: so it's simple isn't it
1: oh exactly so people look at it and that's something that i always say a carnivore diet appears to be very restrictive but it feels so freeing on the inside because you feel like there is no brain fog. You have the energy. And so it's, it's really, it's gaining freedom. And then another, yeah, just, yeah, just with the adrenals, um, I have the most energy ever. So, you know, I don't have an issue with adrenal glands. So, and, and people, especially when keto was starting to become more common and people were afraid it's going to mess up their thyroid and all unique carbs, and that, I, yeah, that that did not happen with me.
0: You, so I have you, more energy. You agree there's no n- necessity for a carbohydrate in the human diet? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. it's not an essential nutrient, unlike what uh, we, we have been taught. Yeah.
0: What's, there your, was- what's your usual food for the day and your meals? And do you eat the same thing every day? Or what? Yeah. What's, if you don't, what's your mix-up? But
1: oh, I don't have it right next to me. Have, do you know the company Carnivore Crisps? They're great. So they do um, dehydrated beef and all kinds of animal foods. I love it. Um, I'll have that, for example, today right after this interview because I'm fasting. So I haven't eaten anything since last night, like really in the afternoon yesterday. So um, what I'll do, I'll have a little bit of that. It's a bag of beef ribeye that's desiccated. It's literally beef and salt. That's it. Two ingredients um and then after that i'll have ground beef and then i'll have um i always have some chicken like i like it in the crock pot so i'll have some of that chicken topped with a ton of bacon on top and that will that'll satisfy me
0: and that's pretty much your your every day or do you switch it up what do you do when you go out
1: i used to do fruits and now I've noticed that just cutting out the fruits because, you know, in the carnivore community, in the keto community, I think you may have come across um, the, the idea that, you know, fruits might not be as uh, terrible for us as compared to veggies. Uh, just if you look at, you know, what they have. But here's what I've noticed. When I keep it, even if if even that one bowl of fruit, I don't know, it just triggers cravings in me. And I've noticed that if I just eliminate those, Um, So now that's what I'm doing. I feel so much better and so much more energy. So I'll keep you posted. I'm sure, you know, like on on YouTube, I'll keep everybody posted um, how, what eventually happens. But for now I feel like not eating fruits is even better for me.
0: I think fruits are deadly plants are the predators and we're the prey plants don't want to be eaten and neither does a cow, but a cow, uh, is, is not easy to kill and a plant is. And so they kill us afterwards. That's, yeah. their, that's their smart plan of yes, life.
1: They have to have a self-defense mechanism similar oh. to every single living organism.
0: I wanna thank you for your time today on this beautiful Sunday that you've allowed us to enter your home and share your beautiful, amazing ideas. So we're gonna be looking for the successful, amazing entertainer, uh, but scientist,
1: Don't say it out loud. I feel like this is my...
0: But what I've learned is that what humans desire, you must imagine as if it is and share it with the world because God doesn't want to keep a secret. And the more you share it, the more it will unfold. So again, everyone, thank you. Dr. Sarah Zaldivar, check out her, uh, just Google her name and you'll find lots of great information. So God bless everyone. Uh, Stay tuned. For more on Kiltz's Conversations, take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Carnivore Conversations, hosted by me, Dr. Robert Kiltz. And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Check out drkiltz.com for more, and subscribe to our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook for more inspiring content every day. Take care, and see you next time.